We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Fay. With me, regular guest on the show, Justin Thomas of Nets Republic. Justin, big win for the Nets tonight, 118-107 over the Cavs. How are we doing? Doing pretty good. Got a little nervous there because I thought you jinxed the win when you hit me up pregame. And I was like, yeah, you ready to come on after this Nets win? I'm like, whoa, whoa, pump the brakes <laughs> there, buddy. You know, you got to play the game first. But, you know, happy to come across, come, come away with the win and for Nets betters, both money line, live bet, and the actual spread hit. So, honestly, it's a good day in Nets world. Yeah, it is. And another win for your uh, Brooklyn Buzz record right there. So we're we're doing a lot of good things right now. And obviously this win meant a lot to the Nets in the standings because this, I don't want to say guarantees them a seventh and eighth spot, but it almost does given they just have to beat the Pacers who are doing everything in their power to lose as many games as possible right now. So I feel pretty good about where they're at. Yep, I do too. But, you know, based on the Nets' luck, uh, what is it? O'Shea is going to come into Barclays and just absolutely <laughs> go off for six or seven from three. I honestly don't even know who else is on the Pacers right yeah. now. I'm pretty like Miles Turner's. They shut him down already, right? Yep. Yeah, I want to say like that's Brogdon's been questionable for like a month and hasn't really played. <laughs> yeah, I don't brought brought. Yeah, Brogdon doesn't have to play on Sunday. Yeah, I don't. But I'm telling you, watch. It's going to be a team because I see a lot around the league. A lot of teams are like you know signing these like you know G leaguers or guys that they give standard contracts. You just see a look and. Hey, they got nothing to lose, so I, yeah. I'd assume that they're going to come out, you know, firing. But yeah, let's let's hold their 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 fate in their hands. You know, they get the tiebreaker tonight against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, a little dicey at at times. It was a, a was it was a banged up Cleveland Cavaliers team. Jared Allen, you know, our lovable Afro friend, you know, didn't play, but you know, he took care of business. And like you said, it's uh, it, it looks very promising that a playing game will be played at Barclays. Yep. Uh, as well, obviously, the Nets were able to make a comeback late in this game after, you know, having a 17 point lead, giving it back to Cleveland, going down seven and then a really dominant fourth quarter. We're going to jump with that and plenty more. Make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms. But, Justin, talking about that fourth quarter, like I mentioned, they started the fourth down, but they finished 35 with 35 points and the Cavs finished with 19. So a dominant first quarter and a dominant fourth quarter. Not so great in between. Yeah, I mean, we got to start calling these guys the cardiac kids. You know, <laughs> they keep giving everybody heart attacks. And, you know, but we see, they, you know, they kind of seem like that that meme with the guy that sits up in his chair with the controller. But that's the Nets. But yep. the problem with that is, you know, you can, you, you can do that against lower comp teams, right? And it's no right. disrespect to the Cleveland Cavaliers. They've had a tremendous season so far. And they've 
and to be able to do it with all the injuries they've sustained in the second half of the season is, 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 is incredible. But at the same time, this was a game that Nets should have put away again by halftime. You go up into the second quarter, leaving the first quarter up 15, I believe. Yep. Um, league gets trimmed to eight at halftime. And then look, at, you find yourself down in the third. It's like, you know, the consistency has to be there. You can't do this against a Bucks team or a, a Celtics team, especially with the way they've been playing defense over the past three months. You can't do this against a Heat team. I mean, yeah, you can outshoot these guys, and you know your offense is, is, is clicking, but you don't always want to put yourself in a hole. Why make life harder for yourself than it has to be? Yeah, and obviously, you know, cold stretches happen. You know, that second quarter uh, and third quarter, they just missed a lot of shots, and the offense got a little stagnant. You know, the ball movement and player movement kind of calmed down, but defensively was really where they had a letdown. You know, they let the Cavs score 35 in the second, 34 in the third, in the first and fourth, they only allowed 19 points in each quarter. So that's just drastically different. I think in that second and third quarter, you saw a lot of easy transition opportunities and just plays where the Nets weren't fully set up and not fully locked in. It's like they, like you said, they took their foot off the brake, uh, foot off the gas, and almost put on the brake a little bit. Where it's like, come on, guys, just turn it up. Especially because you do want these players to get rest going to this final stretch of the season with the playoffs right around the corner. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we said this you know, going into these last four games. And I remember I had some reservations about Seth Curry even playing in any of these yeah. games because you shouldn't need Seth Curry to beat the Knicks. You shouldn't need Seth Curry yeah. to beat, you know, the Cavaliers. Like, you, you might need you'll, – you'll need him in, against the Heat and the Celtics and the Bucks, of course, and the Sixers, but not against these lower-level competition teams that you should be putting away early. And I don't know why the Nets think they can just coast. We ha They haven't really shown that a lot this season. I don't – I can't really recall many – wire-to-wire -wire blowout wins. I mean, the only one that really comes to mind is the Hornets game where Kyrie went off for 50 and then the Magic game where Kyrie <laughs> went off for 60, right? So if it, 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 and even when these guys are going off for, you know, big point total, sometimes that's not even enough, enough yeah. as we saw in the Hawks game. Yep. So just that level of consistency has just been problematic. I mean, yeah, we know when you have two of the best players on the planet, like you always have a chance, but you shouldn't need to give yourself heart palpitations when you don't yeah. need to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Nets fandom needs to come with health insurance at this point. <laughs> it's just, it's really that stressful sometimes. And like you said, it's, it's like they make life more difficult because you see in the first quarter, the running sets are getting everybody involved. They're playing team basketball. There's good cohesion defensively forced the Cavs in some tough shots. And then it really just changed. And some of that's the Cavs turning it up. And Darius Garland was awesome. I mean, that dude hit some incredible shots in this game shots, you know, over contested KD, with KD contesting at the three-point line, that one he had in transition was wild as well. But, you know, you just you want to see the Nets produce for four quarters. And you don't even want to see four great quarters. If they could just give us two great quarters and two okay quarters, it's probably enough to win most games. But it's these great quarters and then bad quarters. Yeah, no, like you said, I, I think this team is talented enough where you can skate by most nights with four, you know, decent quarters. Two, yeah. four, you know, C-plus quarters. Uh, because this team is just that talented. Um, you know, like you said, they did start off the game really well. That 11-0 run in the first quarter with the, uh, I don't know, the, the, the KD, Kai, Kess, Bruce, and Klax lineup. Yep. I mean, there was a stretch where, you know, talk about the offense, right, when KD was absolutely in his bag in the first quarter. But just looking at the defense, the Nets held the Cavs scoreless from the 7-0-1 mark to the 2-32 mark. And the first points the Cavs scored at the 2-32 mark were just free throws from Karis LeVert. Shout out him, Nets legend. Um, but yeah, like the like when this team is locked in, you can see that they will they, they can stifle some teams. Like, yeah, the Cavs were shooting a lot of threes. I don't know why they were shooting. I think there was like five straight possessions. They just kept chucking up threes. Yeah. Don't know why, but you could see the rotations were good. Kessler Edwards was closing out. KD was closing out. Bruce Brown was catching a couple blocks. You know, every there was 
a lot of cohesion and there was a lot of talking, a lot of movement on the defensive end. And then you get to the second and third quarters and you're like, well, what the hell happened? How do we go from this to this? Yeah. And I think, like you said, with that lineup of Kyrie Brown, Cass, KD and Clax, I think it symbolizes things as like, hey, we're switching everything. And they also did a great job switching off ball, you know, when, you know, they did switch the pick and roll. And then, you know, it was Evan Mobley with Kyrie Irving in the post. KD's telling Kyrie to get out. I think when you hear them communicating and you can actually hear them communicating on the broadcast, that's when you know they're doing a good job. There's too many times in other games where they're just kind of looking at each other and expecting someone to be where they're supposed to be instead of, you know, being like, hey, switch here, you know, drop here, whatever it might be. So I think that level of cohesion is kind of that's the biggest concern, I think, for me in terms of moving forward with the Nets and what to expect from them in the plane in the postseason is like, how cohesive are they? Where's the chemistry at? Do they understand what they're supposed to be doing at all parts? And even, you know, for a guy like Kessler Edwards, who looks like he's probably getting solid playoff minutes at this point in time. And he doesn't really have much NBA experience. You know, he played this season, but it's not even like he played a full season as a rookie. Yeah, it's kind of weird thinking that we would rely on, you know, a second round draft pick to play big minutes down the stretch of the season. And, you know, potentially it's into where we the are. Playoffs. But this is this is where we are. Right. You know, and, you know, maybe that's the fault of Sean Marks not getting a, a true three and D guy yep. in the offseason and cast or at the deadline. Or at the deadline, but Kess certainly fills that role for the Nets, and it'd be great if he, you know he can continue his career with Brooklyn for the next few years, and he morphs into you know maybe like a Robert Covington 2.0, but maybe even better. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's 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 it certainly is something. But I will say though, it it, it is great knowing that Kessler Edwards. His contract was converted to a standard contract because a certain someone <laughs> is no longer with this team. Yep. And that is James Johnson. Obviously, we officially got the news over the past couple of days and it's good for Kess. Uh, it hurts me, though, in the sense is like if they did it sooner, Kess probably closes that Hawks game and the Nets probably win. And they probably have a one game cushion right now in the seventh. I'm not saying it's a guarantee, but James Johnson was pretty terrible in that game. Terrible in a lot of games, but we'll leave that at that. <laughs> I was about to say, if we would have got rid of him earlier, we probably would have had like five more wins yeah. on this season. I mean, I mean. Look, I know some people don't like, you know, obviously it's like you don't like rooting for people to, you know, lose a job and things like that. But also at the same time, this man is still made, getting his money. This man has made more money in like five years of playing basketball than I'll probably ever make in my entire lifetime. <laughs> so I can't really feel too bad for him. And if the Nets end up winning the championship this year, he'll most likely get a ring. He'll yep. be at the parade. So, you know, and honestly, this kind of works out for everybody, you know, and now he gets to retool for next season on a team that's not in Brooklyn. <laughs> And honestly, I think it allows the Nets to really lean into a style they want to play with Kessler. He gives them more versatility and more options, and he gives the Nets just a player they can throw out there that's actually a two-way player. And obviously, he's not super consistent, but he's a threat from the three-point line, and defensively on guards, he does a really nice job. You know, it's like we've talked about in the past, small forwards, power forwards, sometimes he can get muscled, but I thought he had some really good defensive possessions on Darius Garland in this game. I thought he did, too, you know, and like Garland was chefing up everybody. So even on the times he did get scored on, it's not like, oh, damn, Cash, you could have done better because, you know, Garland was handing everybody their lunch today. But no, like you said, you know, his ability to switch out and defend, you know, these these guards, sometimes he's really quick guards, but then also having the strength to match up against some of the, the, the wings. Obviously, he's going to be overmatched against, you know, bigger, stronger power forwards and centers. But he definitely gives you a little more versatility than what James Johnson was doing. And, you know, not for nothing. 
his mistakes a lot of times, and we saw I talked about this with Cam Thomas too. His mistakes come from just you know almost like over eagerness, right? Yep. It's like just just rookie mistakes. But the the thing is, he doesn't make stupid fouls. Like I yeah. I never really see Kessler make like a boneheaded foul on like a fast break or a boneheaded foul with like 18 seconds left on the shot clock. You know, most of his fouls are coming like at the rim and it's like, all right, that's, that's, that's a good foul. Don't let him get the yeah. bucket. So, you know, if he's trying def- to give it a strong contest and it leads to a foul. Yeah. You're okay with that. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, he definitely shows a lot of promise on the defensive end. He's shown some, you know, bright spots. He has his weaknesses, his flaws, but it's to be expected from a rookie. Now, the thing is, how much of a lead, and we talked about him having a short lease, you know, compared to other players, how much of a leash does he get in the playoffs is what's going to be really important. Yeah, it is. It's going to be huge. And obviously he's going to be, need to be locked in. I think a couple of things that he does that really, you know, gives the net something that they don't have. is just the extra energy plays, those hustle plays, you know, fighting for the loose ball or, you know, just fighting on the boards. Like he either will grab, he had two offensive boards tonight or will kind of force a turnover for the other team. You know, they'll go for the board, tip it out of bounds, whatever it might be. So his progress has been huge. I thought he had some nice cuts in this game too. You know, he probably would have loved to finish that layup he missed in the paint, but you know, you like the confidence and the aggressiveness of trying to do something out there. It kind of felt like Andre Drummond was almost overpassing after he probably heard some words from Kevin Durant on the bench. <laughs> yeah, you know, and just, you know, talking about cast on the boards, you know, just fighting for extra, extra possessions, even if he didn't come up with it, just like, like all those like tip passes yep. and things like that. I even wrote down in my notes in the second quarter, he had like a really nice, uh, you know, offensive rebound. He grabbed it put it right back up. Uh, it kind of gave the Nets a little bit of momentum yep. when they were, you know, kind of stagnating. So, you know, like, like you say, he does the little things. He does. He's, he's another energy guy. Uh, you can never have too many of those. Yep. You know, you can't always have, you can't always rely on Bruce Brown to bring the energy. You can't always rely on Nick Claxton to bring the energy. So it's good to have someone else that can, you know, almost light a fire under the team. Yeah. And he's a good athlete too. I think, you know, obviously athleticism in basketball is a pretty, pretty important aspect. So, uh, Kess, again, just to give you a stat line, seven points, three of 10 from the field, one of four from three, four rebounds, two offensive, one assist and zero turnover. So overall, you know, a solid performance offensively, you're not really expecting much, but the Cavs did give him a little bit of respect. And there's a couple plays he probably could have made. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. But moving to Kevin Durant, who you mentioned, first quarter was really on point in this game and had other great moments. Finished with 36 points, 11 of 20 from the field, 4 of 6 from 3, 10 of 10 from the free throw line, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, 1 steal, 2 blocks, 5 turnovers. What would you think of KD tonight? I mean, he is what you wanted him to be. You yeah. know, wasn't an A-plus game. I'd, I'd, say, I'd still say an A. You know, he yeah. had a little – some. you know, there were some costly turnovers in the third quarter – um, you know, he kind of went away, not ghost, but you know, as he's sitting on the bench, you know, kind of gets back into rhythm in the second quarter. But I mean, that first quarter, he was hitting everything. I mean, the one legged yeah. runners, he was hitting his threes. I mean, everything he wanted to do, he was, he was doing in that first quarter. I believe he, yeah, six or seven from the field with two, three, 16 points. So he, he was, he was phenomenal. And then even in the fourth quarter, when the Nets needed him, he's there, right? He's not always there when you call, but he's there when you need him. Right. Um, Cool. Had the huge momentum three, that pull-up three that gave yep. the Nets were down two, hit the three, and then they went up one, I think. Or maybe they actually were down they went one up went two. up two. Yeah, yeah, they went up two. Um, He loves those. You know, yeah. it's, and it's funny because every time he hits a three, you already know the next time down the court, he's coming down and pulling yeah. from probably that exact same spot. And then his three in uh, later down in the fourth quarter when they – I don't know what happened with the Cavs' defense. They, le- they left him open, and that was just like a shooting practice, you know, three. And I thought that kind of really – not – put the game away, but like gave the Nets a little bit more breathing room, um, you know, to traverse the rest of the fourth quarter. Yeah. They capitalized on a big mistake. You know, that's pretty much it. And I think what the Nets realized that could provide some success was when they were forcing the Cavs to rotate, Lori marketing was making rotations like he was a center instead of, you know, he's guarding Kevin Durant. So next thing he's in the paint, leaving Katie wide open at the three point line. It happened twice in this game where it's like, you got to, you know, stick to your assignment. But obviously, we'll take that every single time. And I think that's really what helped change in the fourth quarter was they forced the Cavs to defend everybody and forced the Cavs to move and rather than just be set up and run ISO possessions or whatever it is. And when you're in ISO, it's just easier to set up your defense and provide help, especially when you don't have elite spacing. And we know the Nets have lineups that don't have elite spacing. Yeah, but it's nice to have people that don't rely on the spacing and don't use it as a, <laughs> uh, you know, as a crutch. Um, but I will say Where'd also, that one? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But, um, you know, even just like going off his offense, the, defensively, this is yeah. a, another great Kate, Kevin Durant game. I mean, he was like his rotations were on point. I can't really recall off the top of my head any rotations where he was necessarily late on. But the ones he was there, he made he, he made a statement. Yeah. I mean, his block at the end of the first half uh, was huge, you know, just to kind of prevent the Cavs from getting any more momentum after cutting that 17 point lead down to eight. Uh, then in, I believe, the, was it the fourth or the third quarter? He had a he had a huge block um, on a layup attempt, too. 
I think the ball ended up going out of bounds or something like yeah. that. But just his activity on the defensive end um, continues to be an important part for the Nets, right? You know, without Ben Simmons being like that defensive anchor that, you know, we hope maybe can happen in the future, you know, the Nets rely on Kevin Durant. And, you know, even in that, the, the first quarter, right? Look at that, look, look at that lineup, right? You have Bruce Brown, Kessler Edwards, KD, and Claxton. Those are four guys that you can really switch one through four. Yep. You know, you know, maybe Kess can't do one through five. Maybe Bruce can't do one through five. But for the majority, they can all defend one through four, which I thought was a huge part of, you know, a huge key. And especially with them being able to get hands in passing lanes and things like that. It was it, 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 it was good tonight. Yeah, it seemed like that group had a good cohesion as well. And I think also going against the Cavs team that doesn't necessarily, you know, Jared Allen, like you mentioned earlier, is out. They don't have that imposing physical threat in the paint. You know, Evan Mobley, obviously a rookie, not really super dominant in terms of physicality either. So I thought that was a nice lineup change right there and gave the Nets some different opportunities in there. And like you said, KD is doing so much for this team right now. It's kind of incredible to watch. You know, you look at the stat line sometimes and it's a great game, but then you realize like, He's doing some facilitating. He's running the offense a little bit, making sure guys are in the right spots. But then, like you said, defensively, they're asking him to be extremely impactful. And he was that tonight. And I think that's what excites me for when hopefully Ben comes back, potentially in the playoffs or obviously next season. He can alleviate a lot of that pressure off Kevin Durant, not only with the facilitating, but also we know what Ben can be defensively. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then, you know, obviously defense is always going to be the thing that hangs over the Nets head. It's going to be the thing people use to, you know, bring the Nets down. But when they're locked in and we see they, they can lock in, you know, they're not to say they're an elite defensive team, but they're, it's, it's good enough to do the job, right? Because yep. when you have that type of offensive firepower on one end, all you have to do is just be decent. It's just like, that's all you ask, really. Yep. It's just, just be decent on a defensive end. Kevin, you know, Kevin Durant's going to bring it on defense. He rarely does he have like, an off night defensively, uh, especially because you can tell he is the captain out there, not only just on offense, but on defense, he's yelling at guys. They should be here. They should be there. Um, But it's not in like a demeaning way. You can see he's encouraging them things like that. So, you know, defensively, Kevin Durant just does not get the credit he deserves for how important he is to this team. A hundred percent, especially this specific team when they go small or they put him at the five, like not many superstars can provide you that level of versatility, but moving on from KD, another great game from him. Bruce Brown had probably one of the best games of his career tonight. You know, 18 points, 6 of 12 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3, 4 of 4 from the free throw line, 10 rebounds, 4 offensive, 8 assists, 1 steal, 4 blocks, 1 turnover. That's a stuff stat line right there for Bruce. I mean, how many more positive things can we say yeah. about Bruce? Bruce downtown Brown out here <laughs> killing it, man. I mean, just, just look at what he did in the first half. 9.6 rebounds, 5 assists, 1 steal, 2 blocks. Like, he's he's consistently filling up the stat sheet. You know, I was c- kind of disappointed he didn't get the uh, triple-double. Yeah. He had mentioned it to Grady on the post game that he was like, yeah, he kept passing the guys in the fourth quarter and wanting them to shoot. And, like, I guess Patty didn't shoot on, like, two of those passes. But, I mean, he just does everything for this next team. And this is the Bruce that we saw last year. Honestly, I think this might be an even better version yeah. of Bruce Brown only because of the added addition of his three-point shot. You know, he's always there crashing the glass. Um, his ability to finish at the rim has been a breath of fresh air. You know, that's something he struggled with, you know, last season, earlier in this season. You know, he couldn't really finish with that left hand. Uh, the floater really wasn't there. But now that that in-between game, that, you know, little nine to ten footer, that's there. He's driving and gliding to the rim. It is literally like I don't know what you can really fault Bruce Brown on tonight or if anything for the past month and a half. 
Yeah, he really plays within himself. And obviously the development of three has been huge. You know, just being respectable enough out there. And like, hey, they're going to give you five seconds to shoot. Take your time, do your thing, knock them down. And he had a huge three in the fourth quarter. And also I think another aspect that's improved from earlier this season and even last season is passing. Like eight assists is a good number. And it wasn't even just all easy passes. He's doing a little bit of facilitating, bringing the ball up. And then you love the fact like four blocks in a game for a guard is incredible. Yeah, I mean, there was the one block he had. I think the Nets ended up not capitalizing off of it. But there was one block he had, not on a Coro. I think it was, it was one, Lamar Stevens. It was, yeah, it was Stevens. Yep. Where he just came from behind and, and and blocked. I was actually surprised they didn't call a foul on him because... Stevens looks like, who the hell blocked that? Right? <laughs> he timed it perfectly. I mean, Stevens has a, at least a good four or five inches on, yep. on, on Bruce Brown. But the way he was able to just time his jump perfectly, get the ball... No, no body, no contact to the body and everything. Uh, he, he also had a, another block on uh, Kevin Love. Yep. Uh, it might have been a foul, but, you know. He got ball <laughs> we'll, first. <laughs> he got ball first, right? We'll, we'll take it, right? High five in the air. I but. mean, after that stretch, what was it? The third quarter where the Cavs got a couple gifts in the calls where Andre Drummond was called for that foul where he got a clean block. Then he had that contact call on Evan Mobley where I felt like, Especially for bigs, you know, you got to allow that level of contact. And there was another call that went again. I think Kyrie got a clean swipe at Evan Mobley. And that all happened in the matter of like two minutes. And that just felt like momentum against the Nets. But that's something you're always going to have to deal with. Yeah, no, it it definitely is. I mean, granted, the Nets shouldn't have been in a position. The score shouldn't have been there to let the Cavs have that momentum. But at the same time, you know, when you're fighting the the opposing team and the refs, it's it's, it's not easy. You know, and those were some very momentum shifting calls right because it also knocked Andre Drummond out of the game with his fourth foul I thought Andre Drummond actually was just about to get in his groove in that third quarter when they you know when they called him for that fourth foul obviously he did end up you know playing very well down the stretch of the game but you know these are things you know officials making calls you know third foul here fourth foul here even a fifth foul here you know those are things that 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 turn the tide of quarters and even games yeah, I agreed. I think that was the situation where Nash probably needed to throw a challenge in there. I get wanting to save it to fourth, the fourth quarter in a close game, but sometimes you just want to help stop the momentum and also let the refs know, like, hey, you guys are doing a shitty job. But <laughs> getting over to Andre Drummond, uh, finished with 15 points, 12 rebounds, 7-11 from the field, five offensive rebounds, did have two assists, one steal, one block. And like you mentioned, in that fourth quarter, he turned it up, and that was probably one of the best quarters he played in a couple weeks because he's had some rough stretches. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a tale of two halves for Drummond. I didn't I didn't really like what I saw in that first half. I think he only had like yep. it was like five points, four rebounds, something like that. And he was like one of four, I think, too. Yeah, he just just missing some shots around the rim. Uh, got blocked a couple of times. I mean, he it just looked like like Evan Mobley was out muscling him, which is weird. Like Mobley's a tall guy, you know, he's not a he's not a stick, but yeah. he's also not you know, bigger than Drummond. Like there he's was not no thick reason. like Drummond. Drummond is yeah. just like a big boy <laughs> down there. Like he moves humans. Yeah, exactly. So it was, it was surprising to see Drummond, you know, kind of getting taken to task by Mobley in that first half. And even in the, in the third quarter, I, he got, he ended up getting blocked by, I think Kevin Love. And I'm like, there's no reason why Kevin Love in 2022 should be sending your shot to the first row. Yeah, we don't even know we can still dunk. <laughs> exactly, right? I was like, I didn't even know he had that that amount of lift to get off, you know, to get a block. But, you know, credit Drummond for sticking with it, you know, battling through, you know, some foul trouble. That fourth quarter, like you said, he was he, he was massive for the Nets. Um, you know, it, it, Nets is always going to have to, you know, do the juggling act of who's better to play down the stretch of certain games, whether it's Claxton, whether it's KD at the five, whether it's Drummond. Uh, this was one of those games where Drummond ended up playing well, you know, really well. 
uh, for the Nets down the stretch. And, and, and it was, it, it was, it was big, you know, he was able to out muscle guys. He should have been out muscling. He didn't let Laurie Markkinen or Kevin Love or, or Mobley or Okoro, you know, affect him. Uh, he got some dunks. He had a very nice, you know, the, I think it was a kind of off a broken play and of getting the ball, driving to the yeah. basket for the dunk. Um, a key that was a huge that, play because it was kind yeah. of a bad pass from KD. Yeah, it was. And then even a few possessions later, a, a key tip in off of him. Uh, I think it might've been a Kyrie miss or something yep. like that. Um, he, he did everything and more you can ask for in that fourth quarter. The problem is you need that Drummond or something similar to that Drummond for three or four quarters, not just one. Yeah, especially when you're only playing, you know, 24, 28 minutes. It's not like we're asking you to match that energy for 35, 40 minutes. And I think to me, that's the most frustrating thing with him because you see these stretches of great basketball where he can be impactful. You know, if he's eating on the boards the way he did tonight in that fourth quarter, there's a reason to play him. And I even thought defensively he had some good possessions. He had that block on Darius Garland in the fourth quarter. But also I think it's a combination of the guards playing well defensively and their willingness to fight through screens and get back into the play. I thought Kyrie had a better defensive game than what we've seen from him over the last couple of weeks as well. So, you know, that combination. And I think when you see this film and you see this out there, it's like, all right, can they do this more consistently when it comes to the postseason? Are we going to continue to get just these tastes of greatness? Yeah, and I like what you said about you know the guards kind of helping out. You know, I, I know the Nets do like that whole like switch everything thing, but you know just to help out Drummond, stop putting him in situations where he's on an island against yep. like, Garland or or Rondo. You know, even a Seti Osman, where it's you know it's guys that are quicker than him. You know, you can. It's not. I don't. I didn't think the Cavs were setting like that solid of screens yep. today. Um, so those are situations where, you know, the guard just, just fight over it, right? Yep. Um, you know, go through it. Obviously, they weren't – the only person really getting downhill tonight was Darius Garland. Um, so any everybody else doing, you know, those pick-and-roll things, you could, you know, either bliss or just fight through it. Don't let – you know, don't leave Drummond on an island because then after Drummond, you know, you don't really have that kind of paint presence unless KD is coming in rotation, which he was tonight. But you can't yeah. expect that to be the case every single time because what if KD's on the perimeter – and they got somebody yeah, what happens if he's guarding, you know, an elite player, you know, exactly not Laurie marketing. He's guarding, <laughs> you know, and Laurie marketing. Honestly, he's, he's impressed me this season, his ability to kind of fit into that small forward role for the Cavs. Cause I didn't think that was a great signing when it happened, but you know, when Katie's on Jason Tatum or somebody like that, it's yeah, he's not going to be able to provide that help. So it's going to be up to somebody else to kind of handle their own situation and make sure the rotations are there. But with Drummond, too, I think like you can always see his activity defensively. His hands are more active when he's engaged. He'll get a block. He'll get a steal. He'll just move his feet better and position himself. You know, instead of some when he's playing bad defense, it feels like he's trailing a lot. But when he's playing good defense, he's in front and at least close to defender. And he's not dropping, you know, you know, six, six feet back and giving them good look. So hopefully we can see this consistent play from him. And like I mentioned, I think KD's said a couple things to him because He's had some lackluster play over the last week or two. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just I'm just trying to figure out, like, what the cause of that would be, right? Like, I try – like, sometimes whenever I think of guys, like, kind of slacking on defense, it's like, oh, they're not getting enough touches on offense and it's affecting their mood. But I, it doesn't really feel that way with Drummond, right? Like, most of yeah. his points really come in, like, a cleanup roll off the offensive, you know, glass or, you know, maybe off the short roll somebody gets it and they throw a lob to him, you know, right there. Uh because we've seen games where he's had like low point totals, but high rebound totals and he's engaged yeah. defensively and things like that. So just figuring out what makes him tick, I guess, and like how you can get that motor to stay consistent, not only just for one or two games, but for five, six game stretches, especially going into the playoffs. You know, maybe that's it. Maybe a playoff atmosphere and intensity will light the fire under him and keep him engaged. But 
you know, his inconsistencies with his motor has been something that's very questionable. Um, and his I wonder, entire career, to be honest. Yeah. And like, and this is one of the things the Nets are probably going to have to look at in the offseason when determining whether to, you know, shell out money to bring him back or just, you know, as we've said in the past, you know, go bargain bin hunting for a, a backup center. Yeah, I mean, if it was me, I would be trying to convince Drummond, like, hey, man, like, you have a dominant postseason run, you can get that Bismack Biombo money. And it's not going to be from the Nets, but you saw, what he, <laughs> <laughs> you saw what he did. I think it was the year with the Raptors, and all of a sudden, everyone's just throwing big money at him. Not really that great of a player, but, hey, Drummond, <laughs> that's what you can do out there, and you're probably better than him. And you are, you know, a generational rebounder in terms of what you can do on the boards. But moving to Seth Curry, who you kind of mentioned was grinding through the game, you can definitely see the ankles are bothering him. And Every time it feels like there's a, a fall or an ankle turn with him, you just are like, oh, shit. And then it just kind of you can see it impact his play a little bit. You can, you know, and, and he's somebody that's not going to, you know, complain about injuries and things like that. But it's just like you saw it happen. And I what was it the second quarter. Yeah. And you're just like, bro, like, really? Like, and it wasn't even anything crazy. He's literally just trailing a guy coming off the screen and it's just his feet get tangled up. And you're like. Yep. Only the Nets, right? Like only the Nets would have a guy come back from his ankle injury and then boom, injure the, you know, the knee or the ankle again. It's like, all right, at this point, we have to do a study on the Curry family because there's <laughs> no way both of these brothers could have this amount of bad luck with their ankles. At this point, I mean, Seth really needs to just go to his brother and be like, yo, can I just borrow all your sneakers? Like he <laughs> needs to be wearing Seth sneakers with the really, really high tops and the big yeah. ankle guard because like, we got to protect his ankle, man. Uh, it really is. I mean, thanks a lot for these genetics, Del. Like, <laughs> what are we doing here? No, but really, I mean, I, I definitely think he's going to get rest Sunday against the Pacers. It just makes too much sense because you can see his injury impact his ability, especially like it in the beginning of the game. It feels like he's more impactful and then he saves the energy for the fourth quarter as well. But in between, he's not really, you know, having a ton of impact on the floor. And I think that's just him fighting out there. And he finished tonight with 12 points, five and nine from the field, two of six from three, three rebounds, four assists. And he did have one turnover, but I did love the late three he hit. He turned right to the cafe bench and had something to say. I was just like, yo, he really likes to talk. I'm going to say, I noticed that he does that with every opposing bench where if he hits a shot from the corner, he just turns and stares. Um, you know, I, I like that. I like that type of, you know, that sort of gamesmanship. I was also hyped that he hit that three in the uh, corner. I didn't know that I was going to fall the one Kyrie uh, three-pointer short, you know, thanks to the stat corrections or whatever, but you know, like you said, you could definitely see a change after that injury because in the first quarter, right, he had the Nets' first four points. Yep. He was attacking. You know, he had uh, the you know the nice mid range, hit the nice little floater. It's like, all right, cool. He's running up the floor on, on in their transition opportunities, and then, the, you know, he hurt. He gets hurt on the bench, comes back, and you just don't see that same type of burst, that same type of pop from him on the floor. Um, yeah, he came through with you know pretty much almost a dagger three for the Nets late in that game, but you know, I I would love for the Nets to to rest him on on Sunday. Uh, you know, get him all the rest he needs, double ice, triple ice, whatever it is, because the Nets yeah. are going to need uh, Seth Curry. Especially, like, you can't go in, and even though he's been shooting it better in the last maybe, like, game or two, you can't go into this only having to rely on Patty Mills. Yeah, and I mean, Seth just can do more on the floor. You know, he's a, more of a mid-range threat. He can create a little bit more. He's a better passer. He can, you know, get to the rim. Not necessarily his best skill, but something he can do out there. And I think... When we get into the postseason, we're going to see different, you know, 
things defense is thrown at KD and Kyrie, and that's going to be an opportunity for Seth to step up. And like you said, he had early buckets. One bucket that stuck out was the drive he had on Darius Garland. Like, hey, I'm just bigger than you. I can hit this floater. And I think if you know he was healthier, he probably could have took advantage of that a little bit more, probably worked Garland a little bit more on the defensive end. Maybe he's not as impactful offensively. But moving over to Kyrie Irving, still struggling at Barclays Center, 18 points, 7 of 22, 1 of 7 from 3, 3 of 3 from the free throw line, 6 rebounds, did have 8 assists though, and 2 steals, 4 turnovers for Kyrie. What are the shooting issues at Barclays for Kyrie? I bro, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I really wish we could figure this thing out because the Nets are going to need him to not do this. Like They're going to need Kyrie to be the Kyrie that you know gives you 27, 28, 29 points a game if they're going to, you know, make a deep playoff run. Um, I did notice, you know, I was talking to some people in a group chat. I did notice, you know, on some of his catch and shoot threes, he's been keeping it high. Yeah. It's almost like more of a higher release point and he gets it off quicker, um, you know, as opposed to like his normal, you know, shots when he comes down and pulls off the dribble. Um, not sure if that's, you know, something to look at or maybe just a coincidence. But, yeah, the shooting numbers have just not been good for Kyrie at Barclays. I don't know why. may. I have been saying maybe he's just trying to make up for lost time, you know, and yeah. give, you know, give the crowd a show and like, you know, really ball out. But it's just not working for him. Whatever he's doing, it's just not working for him, you know, at at, at the corner of Flatbush and Atlantic right now. Yeah, it worked against the Rockets. I was lucky enough to see him hit, what, eight, seven or eight threes in that mm-hmm. game. And he was cooking. But uh, you thought maybe that would be the building block to kind of build momentum. But it hasn't been the case. Obviously, um, Kyrie is celebrates Ramadan and they're fasting. So does have some level of impact. He did just go from part-time to full-time, so the combination of both those things could definitely have an impact on him conditioning and fatigue-wise. But a lot of it was, too, he was just missing some shots that he normally hits. Like that mid-range pull-up, you know, typically you watch him play and you're thinking, okay, bucket, bucket, bucket. Mm. And it was just back rim, front rim, side rim, just kind of a little bit all over the place for him. So like you said, the Nets are going to do anything, you know, playing wise, postseason wise. They're going to need Kyrie Irving. KD needs that support. He needs that, you know, sidekick, that co-star to really turn it up. And it's going to be important for Kyrie to kind of get his rhythm moving forward. But Moving over to uh, Nick Claxton, finished tonight with four points, two or three from the field, five rebounds, one assist, and one block. Not Clax's best game. Obviously, foul uh, foul trouble was an issue here. Yeah, you know, I sent, sent out a tweet earlier today. I was like, I think Nick Claxton and uh, Drummond averaged like two bad fouls a game. Yeah. You know, there was the, I mean, I forget exactly what the play, I just remember it happening in the first half, and I'm just like, why are you doing this? Like, what, and then... I don't know if he was called for it in this game, but every game it almost feels like he gets a really bad offensive foul call on setting a screen. He had screen. a bad loose ball foul in this one where he just kind of was pushing Seti Osment for yeah. no reason. So like, these are the things where it's like, you know, the not the head-scratching things, but just the, like, come on, Clax, you got to be better. I did like some of the energy he did play with. Um, you know, His, his rim first ra- quarter minutes, he really had some yeah. impactful plays. He did. You know, his rim-rattling dunks are always, you know, good, good, good energy boost. But, you know, it's a... Not, you know, it's crazy. Like, as we said in like a previous pod, like the, if, if we saw this Clax game like like four months ago, we'd be like, oh, wow, great, great game from Clax yeah. tonight. Now it's like, you know what? This wasn't really one of his. It's kind of a subpar game for Clax, which is good. You know, like this is if, if your expectations are this high for Clax and that and that means he can play at a, at a high level and, you know, not not his best game tonight, but he did enough for, you know, to help the team win. And it worked out that Drummond was able to step up in the fourth. You know, you're just going to need one of these guys to be good every night. And it's also going to depend on the matchup. And obviously, Clax has his limitations out there. But like you said, you know, some of 
just the mental mistakes and some of the fouls he commits, he just doesn't need to. I think especially when he's rim protecting, I think he needs to do a better job sometimes of just going straight up and understanding that he is providing defense by just being in the way rather than you don't need to block every single shot. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, I don't know why, like a lot of the, you know, and I know Mitchell Robinson kind of gets in trouble with this too. Sometimes it was like, yo, you guys, you guys are tall, like, and yeah. you have and your wingspans are crazy. <laughs> exactly. You have tremendous wingspans. All we have to do is really just stand there. You don't have to jump do anything and you can alter shots. You know, that's yeah. what, that's what I think makes Robert Williams such a, you know, good uh, defender in the, you know, in, in the paint is that he doesn't have to rely on his jumping ability or, you know, coming down over somebody. It's just, all right, just be tall and you can yep. affect shots. Even if you're not getting blocks, maybe them just even passing the ball out, right? They drive, they have to kick it out because you're just standing there being a menacing uh, force. So that's one of the things he has to learn, get get better at, you know, in the playoffs, you know, every foul is crucial. Every minute is crucial. You can't have him getting, picking up two quick fouls in the first quarter or being played off the, you know, played off the floor come third quarter because he's got four or five fouls. Yeah, I agree. I think that's what gives you also a little concern going into postseason is, you know, the center rotation isn't super consistent in terms of their production. And if you can count on them, obviously, the one center they can count on is when they play KD at the five, but you only want to do that so much. (laughs) Moving over to Patty Mills, you know, not his best game, but definitely an improvement from how he's played in the past. Eight points, two of five from the field, two of five from three, two of three from the free throw line and did have one assist. One thing I'll say I liked about Patty in this game was he was handling the ball a little bit and driving into the paint instead of just kind of passing or taking bad mid-range jumpers. He's playing a part of the offense and kind of helping initiate movement. Yeah, he just looked a little bit more comfortable out there tonight. Yeah. You know, not not pressing, um, you know, like two two threes, you know. So, you know, you'll take it. You know, it's it, it's it's enough yeah, as long as he's not throwing up a brick parade. And I thought those threes came at, you know, pretty good times for the Nets. The one in the first half, you know, kind of sustained their momentum, their offensive momentum. And then in the second half, uh, it was the three, I believe, what, in the fourth quarter, which I think cut the lead to one, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was part of that, you know, that comeback effort. So, you know, if he can hit timely threes, that's yep. really, like, I don't care if he's hitting six, seven threes and blowouts, but if he can give me one or two timely threes in a game that either sustains momentum or kills momentum for another team, that's going to be, that, that's going to be huge. Um, you know, no turnover, not to say no turnovers, but you know, being smart with the ball is yeah, no turnovers too. For somebody who doesn't yeah. touch it a lot. I think that's fair. Yeah, you know, and and even just sometimes on the defensive end, you know, we've seen KD get in it, you know, get get on him for either coming over to help when he shouldn't or just not, you know, not being there in a rotation. I didn't see many I didn't I didn't really see too much that Petty did wrong on the defensive end tonight either. So, you know, it's a quality effort, I guess, from Patty. Yeah. It's anything positive is not negative. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll take it. So um, you know, moving forward, maybe he plays a you know, extended minutes against uh, the Pacers maybe gets a little bit of rhythm. It'd be nice if he hits, you know, three or four threes just to get him some confidence going into that playing game. Because uh, the Nets, just like Seth Curry, they're going to need him to be that, you know, perimeter threat. Yeah, he has the potential to kind of unlock the offense to a no- new level when they, you know, at- occasionally play, you know, Seth and Patty at the same time, you know, next to a Kevin Durant or something like that. And also, you know, I think Patty drew an offensive foul on Kara Savert in this game. You know, just being annoying. Like, that's what you can do. You're undersized. You just got to be gritty and kind of fight in there and try to make some of those impact plays. But, Justin, anybody else you want to talk about from tonight's game? Obviously, you know, the rest of the guys kind of just played garbage minutes. You know, David Dugener, I liked what... No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I was about to say, like, shit, I missed that. <laughs> um, no, nah, honestly, I didn't really see that much, um, you know, any, anything else from anybody. Um, you know, just going back to the Kyrie and the Ramadan thing, you know, it is something that 
you know, the Nets are going to have to deal with, you know, you could, you could kind of see sometimes his energy is not up to where we've seen Kyrie's energy in the past. Um, yep. You know, there was the one fast break he had where he almost looked like he didn't want to score the ball. He was just trying to get contact. And I'm thinking, all right, he's going to go with his patented, you know, pull, you know, bring the ball over reverse yep. layup, you know, some jelly off the rim. No, he kind of just accepted the foul. And I'm like, okay, well this, it kind of looks like a guy that's tired. And, yep. you know, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't listen to what he had to say in the post. Cause I don't know if anybody asked him about it, but you know, even if he says it's not affecting him, you can tell, you know, it, it's affecting him. Just, you know, just hopefully it's something that he can play through. We know he's been able to play through it because he played through it last season and was putting up some pretty, you know, good numbers. So that's just one of the things I guess to look, look out for. Um, I'm not an expert. I don't know when exactly Ramadan ends. Um, uh, I'll look it up while you <laughs> chat. Right. Um, but you know, if, if you know, I'm not, not saying it's something that we should be May worried. 2nd. About. May second. All right. So basically, it's what? concerning. <laughs> <laughs> that's about the third round. Well, actually, no, that's second round. Yeah, it'll probably be the about the second round. Yep. Yeah. So you just gotta, you know, just just gotta hold out until the second round, which the Nets can get. Nets can do, and it's not to say like Kyrie's playing like trash. Like this, it's it's crazy. Like con, in up to his standards, it's not the best, but. You know, any any normal person would take you know his stat lines for the night. Six of twenty two is not great though. I I don't like him taking twenty two shots. I'd rather yeah. Kevin Durant be the one taking twenty plus shots. Um, but other than that, I really don't have any 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 gripes. It's just another game where it should have been a cakewalk from the beginning. And these guys just like to mess around. I don't know why, but a win is a win, I guess. Yeah, and just to touch on the Kyrie stuff, I was talking to my man uh, Matt and AQ, and he mentioned that like. Kyrie last year during Ramadan started off slow and had some bad games. And then he kind of progressed, you know, throughout and kind of adjusted, which obviously your body adjusts, like having to fast through daylight is incredibly difficult. And also, you know, the lack of hydration, because I believe you're not allowed to drink water either. So that is super hard to do when you're playing a game of basketball. When I step on a basketball court, I play for like two minutes and I already need to finish a water bottle. (laughs) So uh, God bless Kyrie for what he's trying to do out there. And like you said, you know, this is a game where, again, we see glimpses of the greatness the Nets could have. And you thought maybe, maybe this would be a game that was over at halftime, but instead allowed the Cavs to kind of stay in it. And we're, we're hoping these trends end as the postseason approaches, but obviously, very limited time. But any final thoughts, Justin, before we get out of here? Uh, my my one final part, more James Johnson slander. <laughs> um, one of, I don't even, you know, I can't even have for comparison. I don't even remember the last net to wear number 16, but he's probably the worst. Um, I've never shit on a player like this before in my <laughs> life. But, like, this is, like, honestly, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just me. Is this worse than than, than, than the TLC slander? Like, yeah, I think and, and uh, <laughs> TLC, there wasn't as high of expectation either. And it was like, OK, TLC is just going to kind of get benched and he's going to kind of fall out of the group where James Johnson still played bad and kept hanging around and kept hanging around. And it just there were like, expectations for him this yeah. year. Like we thought James Johnson could be a, a solid contributor at that, you know, three, four range, uh, be a bruiser, be an intimidator. And somehow I keep seeing guys throwing these crazy fouls at KD and then Kyrie and other guys on the team. And James Johnson's not doing nothing. And I'm like, what the heck? Like the, the, uh, the Miami heat game, right? When yeah. KD, I guess threw like the elbow to uh, Dwayne Demon and Dwayne Demon stepped to, to, uh, what do you call it? KD? Where was James Johnson? He was on the court walking away. And I'm like, well, we signed you for this reason. Yeah. Oh, uh, my God. Obviously. And then he was supposed to be somewhat of a similar version of Jeff green without the jump shot. Never really worked out that way. But 
you know, we move on. We got Kess. <laughs> Hopefully Kess can step up and have some big moments in the postseason. We'll see what happens. But Justin, always a pleasure. Big thanks to everybody listening. And check the buzz on all streaming platforms. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.